welcome back to Story Magic, the podcast that will help you write a book you're damn proud of. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. And today we want to talk about growing a thick skin. So this topic um, came from a suggestion from a listener. Um, So if you have any suggestions for episodes you want us to cover, don't forget to email them in at info at goldenmayediting.com. This question came from Holly. So I will read it and then let's jump in and start discussing. One piece of advice I hear a lot about writing or wanting to become an author is that you have to grow a thick skin. How does one actually do that? How do authors grow a thick skin when it comes to feedback, rejections, award results, and reviews? I'm not even an author yet, and I get secondhand anxiety when I read reviews about other people's books. How do these thick-skinned authors pick themselves up after a major blow? Mm. That's a great question, Holly. So so thank you so much for asking this because it's a wonderful mindset thing for us to tackle. Yeah, yeah. And the answer is going to probably shock most of you, <laughs> which is that you don't need a thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to have a thin skin. I hate, I mean, this is, I, we're going to go down the hustle rabbit hole, I'm sure. We have a lot I, to talk about. But I just feel like this advice that just this expectation that people need to have thick skins and need to be able to take criticism and not have human feelings about it. Yeah. It's just so damaging. Oh yeah. There, there's automatically in this question, there's a binary, someone with thin skin, th- someone with thick skin. And the idea is that number one, per- publishing or, or being an author re- necessitates a thick skin, but that thick skin gives to me that that image of a hardened person. You're Mm -hmm. unaffected by the world around you. You let things just like blow right off, roll right off your back, uncaring. And the reality is, is that that doesn't have to be true. And that most people um, don't have this type of attitude. Um, And I'll I'll go, unpopular opinion, maybe people with thick skins in the way that I just described usually have a really hard time relating to other people like Mm -hmm. usually have a lot of when they're suffering they're suffering there's a lot going on underneath uh, the uh skin yeah like usually that thick skin is a defense mechanism is a coping mechanism not like a healthy way to move through your life now of course that's a generalization so like asterisk please don't come at us because you're like no I'm very healthy with my thick skin amazing but (laughs) I I do think that there's a a perception that in order to be successful you do have to shut down the more vulnerable side of yourself the emotions Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's yeah it's total patriarchy emotions are bad yeah we should never show our messy emotions, like acting human and being human and being affected by things that hurt is somehow bad. Yeah. Um, And I think- Weak. It's like weak. It's weak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's, I I truly think that that is a disservice because if, Mm -hmm. if you're coming at this trying to trying to grow a thick skin, then you're kind of disconnecting yourself from what- what you care about, right? You're disconnecting yourself from the thing that you're passionate about. Like our art comes from our hearts. And to a certain extent, like that is a, it's going to be vulnerable, which means that you're going to 
put your you're going to be putting yourself in positions in which you're vulnerable and it's mm-hmm. like vulnerability leads to reactions emotional human reactions um that are super normal and so i think I think there's this image of like thick skin where it's like, you've got this kind of armor around you. You're like living in this shell. And so when people hurl stuff at you, it like doesn't penetrate. And like, I think a a more beautiful image that I think we want to try to lead you guys into is this idea of like, people give you their opinions Mm -hmm. and you soak them in and you process them and you send them back out in the world in a more beautiful way. Right. Like that is what I want us to to kind of take away from this episode is like we have to be able to process those things when they happen to us because that is how we get a in relationship with what we actually want with our art right we're going to talk about feedback and if you're not able to to really take in and process your own reaction to feedback then you're not going to be able to figure out what you actually want to do with your story um so like that's really important but also just like the ability to to understand your own reactions to things is important to understanding why you care and why you're showing up and um you know why it matters to you so we can't we can't put that wall up or we're going to disconnect ourselves from the deep meaning of our stories in my opinion yeah i completely agree so i i would almost take holly's question and reframe it to my own version because yeah. what holly's asking is that sometimes this hurts like yeah. sometimes writing hurts. How do I make it not hurt? Or what do I do about that hurt? Yes. And so that's kind of the way I would think about this question because the reality is, is that it doesn't always feel good. We're not going to shame our negative emotions and we're not going to try to bury them in order to create that armor. That's not what yes. this episode's about. This episode is about, okay, it's a reality that uh, we experience vulnerability. And that vulnerability can sometimes lead to pain or to uncomfortableness or whatever negative emotion that we experience. And what do we do about that? Where do we start to like maybe um, if if I'm picturing like a, a, a balance scale, mm-hmm. how do we bring um, the more difficult sides of our emotions more in line with like where we want to be perhaps? Um, yeah. That's what we're going to be talking about. I think you can start to talk about like uh, humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we're hu- like we are humans, we are animals and we are hardwired to want belonging, right? Mm-hmm. We are hardwired to want to be seen and understood and validated, right? That is human, it is so normal. Yeah. Art is a subjective mm-hmm. and personal vulnerable attempt at connection, right? And that connection is going to, like, you are going to connect so deeply with some people in some circumstances, and you are not going to connect with other people in other circumstances. And that is a reality yeah. of art. And I think that that is important because sometimes I'll hear writers say, like, I want my art to be basically bulletproof. I don't want it to be able to be criticized. I want it to yeah. be loved by everyone. And that is not possible. Like it's just not. And so the reality of those two things, right, that we're human and we want to connect and that our art is never going to connect with everyone (laughs) means that we're going to experience these moments that Holly's talking about inevitably. And that's not a bad thing. It's part of the process. It's part of putting yourself out in the world. It's part of putting your art out in the world. It's part of finding connection with the people you want to find connection with. And so I'm so glad that you brought this, this question to us, Holly, because 
like we have to talk about how to work through those moments because they are inevitable and we mm-hmm. need to expect them and we need to embrace them and we need to understand that they're going to happen and like we can find ways to work through them. Yes. Um, so let's start with uh, baseline. We do in Golden May, we do not shame any of our emotions. No. Okay. So the first step on this journey is to stop shaming your emotions when you feel um, when you feel uncomfortable. So like, let's say that you are hit with, uh, some feedback that hurts you a little bit. And I, and I'm not talking about like feedback that's meant to rip you apart where someone's intentionally coming after you. I'm talking about like, oh, that stung. Oh, I really wish they like, it could be either. It could be either. It could be either. But I, I, I'm talking about like it, I, that is a separate, case where like (laughs) the problem in that situation is not you the problem is that person yeah but in the case that like your feedback stung we're not gonna we're not gonna be like oh i i shouldn't be feeling so uncomfortable about this or like oh that shouldn't have hurt my feelings so let's we're wiping that clean and we're saying oh i'm feeling something what is it what am i feeling um so we start with what is the emotion that we're experiencing and why are we experiencing it in any given time? I think the the awareness is a, a great place to start when you do have this sting or you do have whatever is causing you to um, become uncomfortable. Ask the why. What am I feeling and why? Um, then we, we talk a lot about uh, in all of our stuff, developing that solid mindset, that really strong belief structure about yourself. And like, I mean, a couple core fundamental beliefs. I'm going to, I know this is not just like something you switch on. We talk about that a lot, but I'm talking about the belief of like going from believing I require praise to believe I'm a good person to going to like, I'm an amazing person, no matter what anybody thinks about me. Or like, I believe in my own worth and value and like, no, I don't need a positive review or a negative review to change anything about that. Those are like core beliefs that we hold about ourselves that we learn to develop over time through our programs, through tenacious writing, through like the mindset work that we do. A lot of that has to do with um, hustle culture and letting go of the beliefs about hustle culture. So like hustle culture's number one thing is basically that your worth is tied to your productivity. And attached to that is how much money you make and what people think about you. And if we can like draw a line and separate that and say, my worth is not attached to those things. My worth is not attached to my productivity. My worth is not attached to how many books I sell. My worth is not attached to the number of positive or negative reviews that I get or whatever rating someone has rated my particular story. If we can like separate those things and start to hold the beliefs that I am valuable no matter what, I am loved no matter what. I do hold worth no matter what, and my books are worthy of existing no matter what. Yeah. Um, when we start with those core beliefs, it becomes a lot, a lot easier to take these stinging feelings with like a grain of salt with yeah. like, okay, I can feel these. And I also don't have to let this derail my entire belief system about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not diving into all of the different ways that you can build those beliefs because yeah. it's a lot. It takes work. It takes time. It takes practice, trust, grace. Um, yeah. 
come dive into our other like mindset resources in order Mm -hmm. to learn more about those things. Because if you're sitting there right now thinking like, well, no, I fully believe that like one negative review means that I'm not as valuable as I should be. Regardless of what, you probably would not actually say those things. But yeah, if you are holding that that belief where any type of negativity about you or your story is a direct tie to your impact on the world, your value that you bring to the world, then this is something that you need to focus time and effort on. Focus yeah. time and effort in this mindset area to untangle these really like central belief systems about yourself and build the stronger version, the healed version of like anti-hustle, which is what we call it in all of our work. Yeah. So that that's that's a huge thing that we're t- huge. <laughs> just go, go just go change your beliefs. Um, our like Rachel said, all of our all of our programs are designed with this in mind. Because we feel that this is like the number one, this belief shift is the number one reason why people experience fulfillment and success in their writing life. Yeah. Um, it's it's directly tied to your writing success and su- success by all its definitions. Yeah. Um, fulfillment, joy, sustainability, all those things. So all of our resources, including our free resources, right? Our mm-hmm. all the podcast episodes, all of our um our email list. If you're not on our email list, definitely get on our email list because we we send out mindset tips all the time because this belief shift takes time mm-hmm. and it takes intentional energy. And so exposing yourself to this kind of anti-hustle talk um is the best way to start to work through it. Um some additional resources um that we could point you to that are off the top of my head as there is an incredible book called laziness does not exist by uh, Devin price that I would highly, highly recommend. Um, and then we've mentioned Amy McNee before, but her um, resources on like journaling and working through your, what it is that you actually believe that you want to reframe mm-hmm. um, are really helpful as well. So those are two resources. I don't know if you have any others that come to mind, but um, to get of, started on this. Yeah. All of Kristen Kiefer's work. Um, yes. So you can go to Kristen Kiefer's website, which is, hang on. Uh, we'll put Kristen, all this in the show notes. Yeah. It's kristenkiefer.co is her website. Um, and she's a creative coach. Um, and she is absolutely like full on in this type of mindset work. Um, highly recommend her. She's creative wellness. So this absolutely is wrapped up in that. Yeah. So those are some places to start in addition to our resources. If if this is something that you're like, oh, well, that is the stage that I am in. Um, definitely go check those out. Yeah. Because it takes, it takes time. Be patient with yourself. But mm-hmm. first step is to just feel your feelings and name them and don't shame them. Um, there's nothing worse than <laughs> when you're like, oh my gosh, this person criticized my work and now I feel terrible about it, but I shouldn't feel terrible about it. And so now I'm going to treat myself terribly because I feel terrible about it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this like self-perpetuating cycle of now you're attacking yourself for your feelings. So that we don't want to do that. We always want to say like, it's totally human and valid that I'm mm-hmm. feeling this right now um, for whatever reason I'm feeling it and, yes. and sit with it and name it. So important. Absolutely. So 
go go do all that mindset work pause go get healed come back (laughs) um easy peasy easy peasy um it's it's ongoing this also is an ongoing thing um then if you are feeling pretty solid about your mindset you're feeling like no i actually feel like very confident in my own worth i'm not too worried about um you know whatever whatever fundamental core beliefs might be throwing my off. I feel pretty good about that. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk for a second about right, the right way to do feedback. Um, a lot of these, okay. So let me back up for a second. We talk a lot about what we call the right way to do feedback because feedback is a communication tool. Um, it helps us improve our work but in no way is feedback supposed to make us feel like shit. I think that there is a um, a belief that anytime you're getting feedback, if it makes you feel like shit, it's like good feedback. Like it's supposed to make you feel bad. It's Blech. supposed to tear apart your story. It's supposed to make you like question whether or not you really want to do this because that means it's really helping you get better. Like, no, that's incorrect. Um, we have a whole episode on feedback. It's episode number five. It's called Feedback Should Never Feel Like This. This is what we're talking about. Um, feed, you should not need to have what Holly describes as a thick skin in order to be neutral with getting feedback. Um, I was going to say comfortable. But like even to just be neutral getting feedback, you don't need a thick skin. Like Mm -hmm. what you need is to understand how to give and receive feedback and to find writing partners that also understand how to give and receive feedback. And that includes, that absolutely includes working with people in whatever industry you're choosing to work in or whatever publishing path you desire to work in, finding people who also know how to give and receive feedback. Like there's some sort of perception that if you go the traditional path, like it's also going to be entirely cutthroat and no one's going to ever give you praise. It doesn't have to be like that. Or if you go the self-publishing path, you're going to pay an editor to rip your book to shreds and like you're just going to have to suffer through it until you fix it. It doesn't have to be like that. You can search out people who give you feedback that actually feels good regardless of if it's criticism or praise. And yeah. That's like a mind-blowing moment for some people when they start to understand um, how to be on the same page with giving and receiving feedback. So I I highly recommend to go back to episode five and listen to Feedback Should Never Feel Like This because that episode outlines feedback that's done poorly and how to do feedback right. Yeah. It just boils down to um, knowing what type of feedback to give and also knowing what type of feedback you are receiving, like where it is, what type of feedback it is, um, holding back to those beliefs that you already have that like whatever feedback you get does not determine your worth. It has nothing to do with your worth. You're already worthy. So you can kind of separate the personal feelings, like the, the personal harm with just like, Oh, I was, I'm disappointed because I really wanted them to love this particular story. Um, it it kind of shifts you from feeling like feedback crumbles your world to feeling like, wow, I can actually do something with this. Um, and being able to know like that the feedback you are getting, number one, you have a choice of what you do with it. And number two, it should always be 
actionable, giving you a way to implement it. So it doesn't just leave you hanging with like, this sucked. And you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> That's not helpful. Yeah. So much of it has to, has comes down to communication. Yeah. And communicating what you need in the feedback that's being given to you and making sure that you are understanding what the other person is communicating in their feedback. Um, I just and and feedback like if communication comes down to relationships and humans, right? And communication is messy and imperfect. And so you have yeah. to get to, you know, know each other as humans. Like I I've been doing this with my agent over the last few months, like learning how she communicates and how I need to communicate for what I need, like how I need to communicate my needs in terms of her feedback so that I understand it so that I am getting the positive feedback that I want um, or, or that I need. And that um, so I understand what she's seeing. And so it's just, it's all about that communication and that relationship so that, um, and it makes it easier when you remember that yeah. it's, you know, it's human to human and we're all doing our best. Yeah. And so go listen to that. Yeah. That episode. What was it again? Five? Uh, number five. Episode number five. Yeah. I, I think writers feel like um, getting feedback is an immediate power imbalance. Yeah. And by putting themselves in a power imbalance, you automatically make yourself feel vulnerable and defensive. Both of those two things at the same time. Um, and that's just like a priming situation for creating all of these negative emotions um, that we, again, don't want to shame, but that we can um, prepare for and like try to shift so that we're not, we're not feeling those negative emotions. We're feeling like um, excited. Um, we're feeling positive. We're feeling encouraged. We're feeling um, challenged and not challenged in a negative way, but challenged in like a, ooh, I'm going to go do this thing with my story. This will be really fun to try. You know, that, yeah. that type of challenge. Um, and I just listened to a, um, Rebecca Thorne has a TikTok. She wrote um, a cozy fantasy called You Can't Spell Treason Without T. And it's like a tea, a tea shop. I haven't read it. I was just looking at it because I saw this TikTok. Um, but I, it's highly reviewed. So go look it out, go look it up. I'm just going to verify that that is what it's actually called. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, she wrote, um, you can't spell treason without T. That is the book. She had this TikTok that she just released a couple of days ago about like when writers find an agent, they start that relationship coming from a power imbalance and same thing with an editor, but really yeah. like the power imbalance should go the other way where like the author is the one in charge. It's like your work. It's you, it's your brain that this agent is trying to, to sell. It's yeah. like, they are serving you in order mm -hmm. to sell your book. They don't get paid unless they sell your book. Like we approach it from this validation standpoint of, I need yeah. my agent to validate me. I need my editor to validate me. But like, really, it's the flip side where like, no, well, it serves the industry to make you think that um, not no shade on individual agents and, and editors. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've had great experiences so far, but the industry as a whole, right, is a it's a hustle culture driven industry and it works in the industry's favor if all of its writers think that they need, you know, the validation of those higher up. And it takes effort to remember that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's You're not, the one with the art. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you can try to reframe towards that way of like this feedback that I'm getting, I am in power over. Um, yeah. I am not requiring their validation in whatever shape or form. Um, you stand in, you stand in a little stronger of a way. You can look at that feedback. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more like neutrally, a little more um, objectively. You can look yeah. at that feedback objectively without feeling the sting or without feeling like the the need for their approval because uh, you don't need it. It's yeah, their and job they to don't help you. Know. They don't know what is the right version of your story, right? There, yeah. there is no perfect version of your story. They're just giving their opinion. And yes, they've been in the industry for a while and, you know, ideally you're working with people who have a lot of experience, but but it's your story and they don't necessarily have, like, they can't have the vision for your story in their head that you have for your story. And so ultimately you have to be the one who makes those decisions. Yeah. 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 Okay. I love that we started with feedback. I think that's so important. But I love that Holly outlined like a couple of things because there's like we can build anxiety, right, for what's coming down the road. It's like, oh, I'm working on this book. I haven't even finished it, but I'm afraid of rejection. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about rejection next. Yes. (laughs) How do we prepare ourselves for rejection, right? Because that's one of those moments Mm -hmm. that's inevitable Inevitable. if you're going to go in, especially the traditional route. And this one, my best advice circles back to the beginning about that self-belief. Yep. Because if you don't believe in your book and you are seeking validation, right? If you're seeking an agent to validate that your story is worthy, that rejection is going to hurt so much more than if you do the work ahead of time to believe in your story. That doesn't mean the rejection won't hurt. But for instance, I once I once wrote a short story. This was years ago, and I submitted it to several mag uh, several like short story what are they called? Anthologies. Uh, anthologies, um <laughs> magazines. Um, I remember that short story. I know what you're talking about. That short I know story. You know. <laughs> and I I was like I was in this place where I was stuck and frustrated with my work my novel work in progress. I was like I'm just going to pump out a short story and like prove to myself I could do it and submit it, right? But I I did not do the work to believe in that story before I submitted it. Yeah. So when I got those rejections, it was like devastating, like yeah. to the point of like, what am I doing? I'm like, if I can't even get a short story and then like, why am I trying for a novel? I should just quit. Like it was like a, a really big spiral that I had to pull myself out of, right? For this short story. Yeah. <laughs> In contrast, that last spring, I um, started to query my book. Mm-hmm. And when I started querying my novel, it was fraught with emotion. Like yeah. I'll I'll be totally honest. I do not want to like say that it wasn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> like the human part of me wanted validation. Mm-hmm. Right. But I did a lot of mindset work before I started querying to believe in that book and to have multiple, like to envision and believe that multiple paths were possible for that book. Um, and that that story, my story deserves to be in the world no matter what happened in the querying process. Um, and that made it easier didn't make it easy, but it made it easier when I started to get rejections because I did. I got a bunch of rejections um, before I finally signed with my agent. 
And so this is a success story. So like, you might be like, well, it worked out for you. (laughs) But (laughs) there were a lot of big rejections for agents that I really respected. But I was able to look at their rejections and go through, well, we're going to walk you through a process of like how you go through that moment of that gut punch. Um, But kind of once I had gone through those moments, it was much easier for me to look at what they were saying and understand why they didn't see themselves as the best representation for, for my work. That had nothing to do with the worth and value of my story. Um, and to kind of ex- like keep my belief in my story and myself as a writer and um, the future for my story outside of those rejections. And so all of that to say, like doing that mindset work before you start to seek external validation is absolutely critical. If you are querying, feeling like if you don't get an acceptance, your book is useless and not worthy and like should just be thrown in the trash and you should give up, you are not ready to query. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you said a lot like believing in your book. And I also think believing in yourself because when yeah. you were querying the in the first story about your that, that you told about your short story, you mentioned you were ready to give up like entirely. Yes. Not not on that story, on writing. On like, writing. On yourself. My whole passion. <laughs> right. Like give up writing. That's yeah. a you thing. That's not that story. Like you weren't thinking, oh, I'll table this short story and then I'll try another one. You were like, I'm ready to give up writing (laughs) and that's you. But in this case, you started talking about, well, you have to believe in your story, but you believed in yourself of like, okay, let's say that this book isn't picked up by an agent. One thing, I'll keep taking the book because I believe in the story. But number two, you weren't going to give up writing. You were just going to start a different story. (laughs) Like, yes. So you believed in both of those things um, and you had done so much work in what you believed about yourself before you started query, not just like, I believe in my story. And another thing too, is I think because you believed in yourself, if you had decided to just stop querying the story and like move on to another project, that wasn't going to be a failure for you. We talked about this in an episode, uh, when and why to table a project. It is episode 18. Yes. Episode 18. We talked a lot about mindset in that episode. Because the decision to table your story doesn't mean you don't believe in it or that you don't believe in yourself. Like there's all sorts of things wrapped up in and if you decide to move forward with the project for however long a period of time. Um, but anyway, um, you yes. had developed like a really strong belief in yourself that no matter what happened during the querying process, it was not going to yeah. like derail your life. Yeah. You would be able to carry forward. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, and it's, but it's shocking how many people yes. reach a point where they're like, I don't know what to do with my story anymore. It doesn't feel right. But if an agent validates it, then it's right. Yes. Yeah. Right. There's too many people who are querying from that space. And that's, we have to be, and I, and I think publishing from that space too. Like we have to, rather, regardless of what publishing route you're going, right, before you, you put it in the hands of other people for rejection or review or whatever, like you have to be solid with it Mm -hmm. and you have to be solid with yourself or it's going to be a lot harder. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's going to be a lot harder to, to ride these waves. And so it's worth it. It's worth it, Holly, to be asking this question now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, envisioning those futures so that you can do this mindset work alongside building your beautiful story um, to prepare yourself for that. I think it's, um, it's beautiful that you're thinking about this right now. Yeah. So let's talk about um, a support system. 
So no matter what type of, you know, difficult thing you're experiencing, whether that's feedback or a rejection or, you know, not getting selected for an award or a negative review, whatever it is, it is critical that you have a strong system around you, a support system of other writers. Um, Like your family support system is all well and good. But we also think it's so helpful to have a support system of other writers who get it, who get what it's like to do this, who get what it's like to pour your soul into 90,000 words and then look for someone else to validate them. Like it, you need that group of people that can listen for when you just need to vent, who can encourage for when you're feeling down, who can challenge you for when you're stuck in your head and you can't get out of it. Um, and who are on the same mindset journey that you are. So we're not just saying like, go find a group of writers and like become best friends. Like find the writers who are on the same page with you about what you believe. Yeah. It's, it is not helpful to go like if, if you are on the anti-hustle writing journey and you're like, I don't want to worry about these things. I'm trying to shift your mindset. But then you form a support group with like people who are I'm going to call it toxic, but I'm releasing the judgment. (laughs) (laughs) But who are in like a very toxic mindset space, you're not going to get the support you need from that person because they're in the midst of all the things you're trying to let go. So find the writer group of friends that are on the same path, on the same journey, maybe not in the exact same place on the same path. But you're all working towards, okay, here's what we believe about ourselves. Here's what we believe about writing craft. Here's what we believe about our stories. Do we all feel good about this? Great. Can we challenge each other? Great. And where do you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) In today's writing. Come join us. (laughs) You are like so lost. Like I have no idea how to start farming that support group. That's exactly why we created our program, Tenacious Writing. That's why we have it. We have, and in our program, we, all of us are on this path. So like you have, you know, 50 plus writers who are like together doing this with you. Um, But we also form writing groups. So you can have like a smaller group to support you. We have feedback training to teach you everything you need to know about giving and receiving feedback. We have mindset work. Like this is a community to be in if you need a support system like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, so what Rachel's talking about is having an anti-hustle support system, right? A a support system that's going to give you the unshaming anti-hustle kind of support that you need. But I also think it's important that you find folks, especially if you're looking for folks, you know, outside of tenacious writing, like in your real life to find folks who are also artists. Because it's really, I love my husband, mm-hmm. but he is not, he, he does not put his soul into a piece of art that he then puts out into the world for criticism, like ever, Yeah, <laughs> let alone on a regular basis. Right. Right. So as supportive of, as he is of me, that is not a thing that I can respectfully Want like ask him to understand, right? right? And to support me through. You need to find people who are also putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. Get seeking support from someone who is not putting themselves 
out there in that way, right? Putting themselves and their souls out on <laughs> display in this way um, is just setting yourself up to not receive the support that you need because that person doesn't understand, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have, like, I have high school friends who are actresses and I have high school friends who uh, write music. And so those are friends of mine that are not writers that I can seek this kind of support from because they understand what it's like to put them, put their art out in the world in that way. And to get, um, you know, to receive feedback and criticism and rejection and all those things from that. So just, I just want to like add that piece in it's Yes. You want anti-hustle people, but you also want people who like really understand what it is to be vulnerable through art. Yeah. Yeah. And like our, that doesn't mean that the the support of your friends and family who don't get it isn't valuable. It's just not what it we're. It totally is. It totally is. It's just not the same. Also need. Also need. Get it. <laughs> and yes. empathize. My husband can provide many different kinds of support. He's very good that, that soul level understanding yeah. of what that vulnerability feels like is something that's just not as easy for him to understand. Yes. Um. Cool. Cool. Can we talk about like awards and reviews and yes. like that kind of like once your book's out there in the world? Yep. How do we how do we navigate that? Yes. Um okay, so like we've said before, it's inevitable that you will get both praise and criticism. Um it's inevitable that you're probably going to you I will okay, I'll take this back. If you put out to get awards, if you're submitting for rewards, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. You know, it's not going to be everything is perfect all of the time. It relates to rejection. Yes. It's very similar to the idea of rejection. Um, And we were talking before we started recording how much we love Victoria Aviard's Instagram posts about reviews are for readers, not for us. Like yeah. as a very successful writer, she talks about this a lot where um, reviews are not for writers. So if you're scrolling through your goods reads, like doom scrolling because you're internalizing all of this negative feedback as like a critique on you as a person, um, that's not what it's for. So it's okay to be like, no, I'm not going to do that on Goodreads. I'm not going to hyper focus on the reviews that my work is getting. I'm not going to hyper-focus on these award results because that's not what they're for. The The reviews are to help readers decide, do they want to pick up your book or do they not want to pick up your book? And then we just say, okay, I'm going to draw. To me, I picture it like an opaque barrier. <laughs> I know they're there. I'm not going to look at them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think, can, <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, then I can operate with like, they exist outside of me. They exist outside of me. That's not that's not like rejecting that I know that they exist or that yeah. I'm just saying um, I'm not going to go read them because I know that it's probably not going to make me very happy <laughs> to go do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think our our inner critic, like that that little voice that is trying to protect us, right, wants to tell us that there's going to be something valuable in those those reviews right that there's going to be something in that because we think of it as feedback it's not feedback a review is not feedback (laughs) um because you did not solicit it yes for specific purposes to make your work better right but our inner critic will will whisper in the back of our head that if 
like there might be common threads in all the bad reviews that we need to know about so that the next time we write a book, we're not going to fall into that trap, right? Or that they might see something we didn't see and like we can take that into the future, right? It wants to, that little voice is trying to protect us by saying like, how could you not read those reviews? Because there could be valuable information in there about how you could better belong yeah, <laughs> and how you could be better validated and better exist in the world. And it's not, it's not true. That little voice is just scared. Um, and so like, I think it can be terrifying to be like, wait, I'm not going to read a single bad review yeah. and just not know what people are saying about right. me. Like that, I'm, that's like asking to be ostracized. Right. Right. <laughs> but that, that like little belief, that part of your brain that's very human and is trying to protect you is just not, it's not right in this circumstance. Yeah. Um, reading those bad reviews is not going to, it's not going to help you in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read them. You don't. Like, period. You don't have to. Like, I am definitely of the mind of like, my brain is like, but I need to know. I need yeah. to know what people are saying. What's that? What am I doing in there? I'm searching for the validation. Mm-hmm. So then I can be like, I already. Or the way to find it. Yeah. How you uh-huh. get it. And so you can then fix it. Right. Yeah. So then <laughs> I can say, like, okay, reviews, I don't need you. Because I'm going to go talk to my friends and have them tell me how good my book is. Or yes. I'm going to like remember how how much blood, sweat, and tears I put into this thing and how much I love it and kind of bring myself back to baseline. Yeah. So good. Okay. Um, on top of that, to build off that, we think it's really important to bring awareness to and begin to understand how you would react to one of those things. How do you react to criticism? Does it make your heart pump? Does it make you want to withdraw? Does it make you, you know, question whether or not you're good enough? All of that is very helpful information to show you where you might need to spend some time doing mindset work. Um, and understanding that's that's the preparing part. Once you understand like, oh, I know that criticism tends to um make me overthink and like spiral for a few days, then I can ask, okay, how do I best prepare for that? And one of those things may be I block Goodreads. Don't look at Goodreads. One of those things may be um, I'm going to go schedule a Zoom chat with my critique partner um, and just share with them like some of the fears I'm having and have them talk me through it. Um, Because you can start to draw like your own boundaries with like your own levels of comfortability and tap into your support network where you need it. Yeah. I think the point of understanding your instinctive reaction to, you know, criticism or, um, or rejection is not to make that not happen, right? We don't like bring awareness to it to be like, oh, I usually get really defensive. So I'm going to learn how to not be defensive yes (laughs) the the point is to understand that when something happens and you start to feel defensive that you know this is my human instinctive reaction to whatever is going on which means i can't think clearly right now yeah and i need to move through my steps that i know help take me out of this moment so i can reframe it and move forward in a productive way and we'll walk you through that but like some of those steps and how you can start to think about that. But the the first thing you need to know is how you respond to things. For me, I definitely start to overthink and spiral. Yeah. 
sometimes I get defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually I want to cry. Yeah. (laughs) Like I have like a pretty quick tear reflex when it comes to criticism and rejection. Yeah. Um, Not anything else. But if I'm like on the verge of tears, it's usually because of because I'm feeling defensive or I feel like something is attacking me. Um, And so I know that that is an instant signal that I need to walk away and like start working through my process of like, um, you know, working through my very human instinctive reaction. Uh (laughs) Um, That's how it shows up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to get really defensive and I look for all the reasons why that could not be true. And then that Mm. makes me want to not like, not, not like physically fight somebody, but like fight it. Like I want to like prove them wrong. Yeah. And like, that's not going to be very effective in, in any way, in any of these things, especially not with like reviews. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like yours might be withdrawing, right? You yeah. might shut down. It could be, um, you know, like flushing of your skin. It could be a desire to run away, right? Like whatever it is for you, knowing how to recognize that now will help you later be able to to just better manage it when it happens. We can't prevent mm-hmm. it from happening. Like even if you block Goodreads, you could do a Google search and it the, Amazon sometimes shows what your Goodreads like number is, right? And so like you could stumble across it or someone could send you a review that you didn't ask for <laughs> or tag you on Instagram. Never, never, <laughs> never tag an author in your review in your on review. Instagram. Just so Don't like- do it. <laughs> Just don't. Reviews are not no, for authors. They're for other readers. Yes. <laughs> like, putting that out there. Oh but it happens, right? It happens so a lot. Someone might tag you in a review on Instagram that's negative and all of a sudden it's in your face and you didn't want it and you didn't ask for it, right? And so we have to we have to be prepared for that. To slip through the cracks sometimes despite how much we've tried to protect ourselves and just accept our human, whatever our human instinctive reaction yeah. is and not shame it. Yeah. I'm not going to shame my tears. No, no. I And I think like remembering that you as a person deserves grace all the time is yeah. really helpful and important in any of these scenarios because you're not going to shame your tears and you also deserve grace for having them. And like, yeah. you are, you're not going to be, you're not going to have a perfect reaction Every single time, like some days you might be on your period and then all of a sudden this back like wrecks your world, but like you need to take a step back because you're on your period or some days you might just be, you know, you didn't get a good night's sleep, whatever it is. However, you're having your reaction to something, give yourself grace. It's we still experience these same human reactions, even though we do all this mindset work all the time. Yeah. Um, so we can allow ourselves the space to feel what we need to feel and then bring ourselves back to zero and bring ourselves back to, okay, give myself time to process this. And then what do I want to do about it? How do I feel? Do I want to do anything? Do I, Am I ready to let it go? Do I have to talk to somebody about it? Like, what does it look like to work through what I'm feeling? So to recap, <laughs> first thing is let, you, let yourself feel your feelings and start to identify what your feelings are, right? Because mm-hmm. you you have an instinctive reaction to these types of, um, you know, critical moments, whether mm-hmm. they're attacks or just, you know, loving people, giving you feedback that you just weren't ready for in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, start to start to recognize and understand what your instinctive reaction is and don't shame it. That's step number one. So 
When these things slip through the cracks, though, and you find yourself in that moment, right, what are some things we can do to respond? Yes. Intentionally. Intentionally. So the first thing is to not respond. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't take like, this is what I mean if you got, if you're somehow tagged in like a negative review, don't go blasting that person. Like, and being like, you have no idea what it took, like took to write this book. Like we don't, we want to take a pause. We take a breath. We take an awareness moment. We take like a, um, you know, a, a little second of, oh, okay, that just happened. Um, and we don't immediately jump into uh, an action towards yeah. whatever it was that um, caused this reaction. Yeah. Um, so it's pause. So don't <laughs> respond to the review. <laughs> don't respond to it at all, but like definitely not in that moment. Yes. And then like if you're, this could be, let's say you're in your very healthy critique group right Mm -hmm. with people that you absolutely love and someone gives you criticism that is just way overwhelming to you sometimes this will happen to me when the criticism is like spot on yeah and I don't want to face it Mm -hmm. right and then I feel myself get that reaction right it feels like a major blow and so I have learned to be like okay this is a moment where I have to stop talking about this right Mm -hmm. taking action continuing to defend myself or defend why the criticism is not right or defend right we Defending is taking action. And so that's, right, as soon as I start to notice that in my body, then I stop. The action stops. Yeah. Yeah. So so then the second step is to remove yourself from the situation, right? So shut your phone off. Tell your critique group, I just need to step back, right? Like you need to – the opposite of taking action is removing yourself from the ability to take action. Yes. To calm your nervous system down because yeah. that's what's happening. You're having an instinctive human reaction to something. Your nervous system is like, woo, yeah. holy crap. And so <laughs> you need to calm it down. So common ways to do that, you can take a walk. That's my go-to. Take a shower or a bath. You can do some yoga, watch a comfort movie. Um, but remove yourself from the situation and, and try to calm yourself down. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes it, this can take a few days. Yeah. Um, if you are an overthinker like I am and you continually circle back on whatever it was that caused this reaction in you, it might take a few days for it to like chill out, for your brain to start to let – not let go in a bad way, but to like, <sighs> okay, I need – I'm processing this. And in that time, I am still going to be doing things to try and calm my nervous system, whatever that looks like for you. Um, next, I really like to find those people to talk it through. Um, so whether that's you, Emily, or another writing buddy that I have, or my writing group, um, the people that I know who will understand and who will get it, I search those people out and I ask them, get me, please like help me with this. I need to talk to you about this. I'm really struggling with this. And at, at first, that felt really selfish of me to, like, tell them, please validate me or, like, <laughs> please help me work through this. I'm being ridiculous. I know I am, but I need to talk it through. Or can you yeah. please double check that, like, I'm not reacting to this in a in an offhand way? Like, is this, you know, so I will approach those people with that intentional, I need to talk this through. Can you listen? Um and they they do they listen they and 
nine times out of 10, like me just venting about it, like helps me move on from it. Yeah. And it just helps reframe. I know that like, I was just talking about how sometimes like if I get like some, some feedback that's like overwhelming because it feels right and just would be a lot of work, right? Like I got feedback from somebody that I loved that did that to me. So I went on a walk and then I called you and I was like, can you walk me through my reaction? Cause yeah. I, I was like, cause sometimes it's like, uh, am I overreacting? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and it was super helpful to talk through like, okay, this is because it feels right. And it's scary. But like, I, you know, instead of getting defensive, it was like, I'm going to remove myself from the situation, walk it out and then call someone else and talk to them and be like, you know, give me some perspective on this. Cause I'm yeah. in my body, literally yes. I'm in my nervous system. Um, and so like that is a super valid thing to do. Yeah. Once you're feeling um, a little bit more calm in your nervous system, we can start to reframe the thoughts. We can start to reframe like what what are the narratives going through our head? So at that point, that's where we try to stand really firm in our core beliefs. We try to remember why we're writing. Why are we doing this? Why do we love our stories? You know, why are we showing up on the daily and bring back like because this is so important to me, because I love these characters, because the story has to get in the world, because I can't wait for it to help the person that I used to be, you know, however long ago. Like we bring those reasons back to us to um, encourage us and to help us feel more grounded. Um, Then we remember like who it is that we're writing for, that person that needs our story, um, us, I write for me. Like, I love my ideal reader, right? But like, I write for me. It's fun. It makes me happy. It like feels really good. So then I'm like, no, I don't want to give that up or or I don't want to compromise or sacrifice anything on that. I'm doing it for me because I love me and I love doing it for me. Um, And then remembering those core beliefs of like, I am still worthy of anything outside of what someone thinks about my art outside of this art conversation. I am still loved. I am still valuable. I'm still like, my existence still matters. You know, all those really fundamental things we were talking about with like solid mindset and um, recognizing that the need or the search for validation is um, normal, but also remembering that the only person who can validate me is me. So then I get to choose. All right, I'm going to validate me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes these steps can, you know, you can work through them. You get a tagged in a review. You have a reaction to it. Go for a little walk. Text complain to your friend. Mm -hmm. Remember that you're not writing for whoever wrote that review. You're writing for a different ideal reader. Right. And then you're through it. Sometimes it can take days, right? Like I got a really hard rejection when I was querying and it took me a whole day to calm my nervous system, right? And then it took me a couple days of talking through it and journaling to reframe and reminding myself, like it took me, it took a lot of extra energy to remind myself why I was doing this, who I was doing it for, and that I was still worthy. But because I had done a lot of that belief work ahead of time before I started querying, I was able to get there. Um, And so don't, you know, don't shame yourself if it takes more than five yes. minutes to work through these steps. Um, it can take a while and that's, yeah. that's totally okay too. But recognizing where you kind of are in the process and what you can do, I think is is really important. Yeah. I, I think for me, like a big thing of understanding the way my brain works was just knowing that it takes me time 
time is like a really big part of this process for me where even if in that moment I'm having some sort of reaction and like logically I know that this is not the way that I want to be reacting to something, but I can't control the way that my body is reacting to it. I know I just need time. I need like a few days to work to like, you know, get out of my head and then I'll be totally okay. And it doesn't like derail, you know, my beliefs in myself or my life, but time is so important to me. Um, So I try not to put, you know, expectations around, oh, well, I should know better by now. I should, this should take me an hour or this should take me like one sleep. Like sleeping always helps. Like we we yes. have a we have a phrase in our in our tenacious writing <laughs> community. When you're feeling particularly overwhelmed, just go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> like you're gonna be okay. Um, always works. <laughs> always work. Sometimes I need like two or three sleeps. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Holly, this question was amazing. Yes. Thank you and so much. Hopefully. You got some really good stuff out of this, even though our advice is not to grow a thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel like you need to. Like grow your process to treat your thin skin with the love it deserves. Yeah. Like it, remove the idea of thick or thin skin in general. There's just skin. Yeah. And like there are you're people just human. You're just human. And the goal of all of the goal that I hear in your question is how do I become comfortable with the uncomfortability of yeah. the world? And this, that's what this episode is about. So, you know, you're not just learn to live in your skin. Yeah. <laughs> like I love it. A lot of this problem. And love it no matter yeah. how it reacts to things and what it does. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's protecting you. It's doing its, it's, it's doing its animal thing to protect doing you from, thing. from being ostracized. <laughs> yes. All right. So don't forget, we have a couple of those links in our show notes um, for those other um, creatives that we mentioned to dive deeper into some of this work. Awesome. Thank you all so much. If you want to build a successful, fulfilling, and sustainable writing life that works for you, you've got to get on our email list. Sign up now to get our free email course, The Magic of Character Arcs. After seven days of email magic, you'll have the power to keep your readers flipping pages all through the night. Link Link in the show notes. We'll see you there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)